Shri Gaudiya Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai, Shri Jiva Goswami Ki Jai, Shri Satsandarbhas Ki Jai. Glorious devotees, thank you for coming to another in-depth discussion on Srila Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sandarbha. We are in the beginning section, and today we will be discussing the rolling authority of the Parivas Sutra. Again, let us remind ourselves that the Parivas Sutra is the key to the Gaudiya understanding of uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam, and the Srimad Bhagavatam is the topmost pramana or evidence um, accepted by our Gaudiya tradition when it comes to understanding the supreme absolute truth. Mm, Bhagavan Sri Krishna. So this Pariva Sutra is extremely important. And Sri Jiva Goswami in the beginning of his Krishna Sandarbha is going to great lengths to school us in the significance of the Pariva Sutra and how our tradition as Gaudiya Vaishnavas uh, 
sees the Parivas Sutra uh, in relationship to other uh, statements made within Srimad Bhagavatam and made within other scriptures. So, iti chamsa kalapumsa krishnas tu bhagavan swayam intrari vyakulam lokam mridayanti yuge yuge. All these are either portions, amsas, or minute portions, kalas, of, of the purusha, but Krishna alone is Bhagavan himself. All of them appear on planets whenever there is a disturbance created by the atheists. The Lord incarnates to protect the theists. I wanted to begin today with a little bit of a recap uh, because some of the terminology that uh, we've already discussed in the beginning of Sri Jiva Goswami's unpacking of this Parivas Sutra uh, will uh, come up again and again uh, as he uh, continues to unfold uh, the position of Bhagavan Sri Krishna uh, in this Krishna Sandarbha. So one important term that we'll hear repeatedly from Sri Jiva Goswami is the term hermeneutics. So a proper understanding of this term will help us going forward. Hermeneutics is the theory and methodology of interpretation, especially the interpretation of scriptural texts, wisdom literature, and philosophical texts. Hermeneutics is more than just interpretative principles or methods used when immediate comprehension fails. It includes the art of understanding and communication. So this is a standard definition, and I've added something from uh, Guru Maharaj, Swami Triparari, uh, in regards to uh, the nature of Shastra Yukta, because the definition itself, as we can see, um, incorporates a meaning in hermeneutics, uh, wherein one, one interprets or understands scriptural statements or statements from wisdom texts or philosophical texts. Um, in light of a deeper understanding, a comprehensive um, understanding uh, that exceeds, uh, as stated here, methods used when immediate comprehension fails, it includes the art of understanding and communication. So that we understand as Shastra Yukti. Shastra Yukti is how the sadhus are able to provide for us insights into scriptural statements. And sometimes, and what's significant here, significant here is, uh, and as stated by Sri Jiva, it is Shastra Yukti that is the supreme praman not merely Shastra unto itself. So when we can see 
through the eyes of of the great saints and sadhus, uh, through the eyes of of the spiritual master, the meaning of shastra, uh, then that that's a deeper praman, a greater evidence than just what's in shastra itself. And of course, we know that the greatest praman, even exceeding shastra yukti of the sadhus and shastric statements is what is directly experienced. Of course, when we speak of spiritual, uh, we speak of, when we speak of experience, we're speaking of spiritual revelation. So, of course, we, these are very esoteric understandings that we're discussing here. I mean, generally, if you were to just make a, a, a statement, well, uh, the statements of the guru supersede Shastra, well, no guru will, will speak like that. Uh, he's the topmost praman when there is any discrepancy or any contradiction between the statements of guru, shadu, and Shastra, Shastra is the topmost, um, takes the topmost position. But for our understanding, for our enlightenment, we take shelter of the sadhus and the guru and their illuminations on Shastra bring the message home to us. Their understanding is gives us enlightenment according to our time, place, and circumstance. So they go hand in hand. And, uh, you know, we, we, Krishna emphasizes this. Tadvidi pranipatena pariprashnena sevaya upadekshantite jnanam janinas tadarsina. If you want to learn the truth, approach a spiritual master. He's seen the truth. Now, his vision of the truth has, has come from his enlightenment in the parampara, and all that enlightenment falls back upon Shastric statements. But the 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 comprehensive revelations that one has in relationship to Shastra, when they become fixed in devotion and, and, and are beyond uh, the influence of Krishna's external energy, then Shastra is a continual revelation to them. And they're able to pass that on to us where we, in our spiritual infancy, will not, may not have the ability to really taste and fully appreciate the Shastric statements that are there. So,
the significance of Shastra Yukta is there. Here we see that Supreme Praman, Shastra Yukta, would look to, uh, from our vantage point, the, the viewpoint of Shastra uh, through the eyes of our guru would be the Supreme Praman for us. But that also <laughs> can, we, we have to learn with fine discrimination how, how to take even the statements of our spiritual master, master and put them in proper perspective with the balance of sadhu and shastra. So when the spiritual master would make would might make a statement to us that does not correspond with Shastra and what's been said by other sadhus, then we have to place our doubt before the spiritual master so that he can fully explain that to us. And of course, if he is not available for that purpose, we go to other sadhus. Now, we, we can sometimes see that this idea of the Supreme Praman is the Shastra Yukti of the Guru is taken to a, a fanatical, uh, taken on in a fanatical sense, where we as neophyte devotees, um, we only see Guru in our guru uh, we we only we only see shastra through our specific guru and in the beginning that's that's the shelter that's that fosters our growth but eventually as we grow then even though the spiritual master himself may put up a fence around the the plant of our bhakti that he's he's culturing it's not that he does not expect that the plant will eventually grow and as uh, i just heard swami triparari speak of in a class that the leaves the the limbs and the leaves and the branches will grow beyond the confines of the fence as as one matures in their own spiritual life, uh, where they can easily understand things properly. Um, so in the beginning, there's some shelter. And as one advances, deeper understandings come. And we need to be able to distinguish these things. We need to be able to distinguish these things within the community of devotees. And uh, we need to take care not to become, um, not to take on this mentality, uh, a kanista mentality, where we see Krishna only in the deity. And we see guru only in our guru. That's okay in the beginning, but eventually 
we must mature and see Krishna more in his devotees than in his deity and see Guru in all of those great sadhus coming in our sampradaya and even in other sampradayas to nourish our spiritual growth. So a little, little thing on the side there today, but um, it's important that we, we see these things in proper perspectives. So back to this recap, that uh, an understanding of this herm, term hermeneutics and how do, how are the scriptural texts to be interpreted? It's, it's more of an, it's an art as well as a science. And we're going to see Jiva Goswami as, as we go into this, take us on a, a deep dive into the methodology of interpretation utilized to properly support, in this instance, at the beginning of the Krishna Sandarbha, the Parivas Sutra, but it, it will come up again and again in our study of the Sandarbhas, this proper application of interpretation. So we want to we want to approach this in a very mature way, and our interpretation needs to be well balanced. And we're going to be we're going to see the 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 quintessential application of interpretation by Jiva Goswami, who from our vantage point, and even in the vantage point of other theologians and philosophers um, of the day, uh, viewed as one of the, the greatest, um, one, of the, one of the greatest philosophical minds, so that the fact that he was so kind as to, as to use this uh, use all this to further enlighten us. All of his talents is uh, it makes us fall to his feet again and again. So he is our tattva acharya, uh, and uh, it, it's nice even if we are not able to comprehend fully all of the complexities of his arguments. Uh, just to, to hear and, and to somewhat uh, gain some little insight into how such a great philosophical mind works. Uh, it nurtures uh, our spiritual understanding, and it increases our faith in the sampradaya that uh, we have taken shelter of. So let's look back to the 28th Anucheta and just do a, a quick recap. So now we're, Jiva's gone and he, he's 
he's basically gone through the presentation of Sutta Goswami of all the all the various avataric descents, and now he comes to this core verse, and he begins to unpack it and show its relevance uh, in regards to the Gaudiya understanding, and he began in his 28th Anicheta to provide various arguments. We've gone over these in detail. I wanted to just go through them again uh, to bring us up to the 29th Anucheta, which is where we're, we're going to go deeply uh, in our discussion today. So the 28th Anucheta, he, he brings out the verse himself. All these are either portions, umsas, or minute portions, kalas, of the Purusha, but Krishna alone is Bhagavan himself. Uh, he is alone, that very same Bhagavan, who is the original source of Atari, even of the Purusha. So these are all statements from his 28th Anucheta that we've taken out. And then he goes into fortifying this one statement. And he says, according to, he, he revealed this hermeneutical principle, among prior and succeeding injunctions, the former is weaker. So even though all the other avatars were listed, then when he comes to the end of his discussion, when it comes to the avataric descents, then he mentions Krishna being Swayam Bhagavan. And he goes on and he, he fortifies that. Of course, Krishna was first counted along with the other avatars. And later he is identified as Swayam Bhagavan. Of the two, the later statement takes precedent. And he gave arguments to fortify through her, hermeneutic principle that, that this is the way this statement should be seen. Hermeneutical principle that a direct statement, then he goes on as far as the nature, the way the statement is made by Sutta Goswami also fortifies it. So first he fortifies it according to the, to its position in the discourse of all the avataric descents that Sutta Goswami gave. He began there and then he goes on to, to, to give it more fortification uh, as far as the way the statement is put forth itself. So hermeneutical principle that a direct statement, Shruti, overrides the context. Prakarana. Although Krishna is listed as the 20th avatar and is thus included within the context of the avatars, his characteristic of being a, an avatar is overridden by the direct statement, Shruti, Krishna alone is Bhagavan himself. So Jiva's making a very forceful statement here. This, this is a Shruti statement. And the definition is of, of Shruti is stronger than other statements. So 
he first makes the statement. It is a Shruti statement. It has the characteristics of a Shruti statement. And because of that, it takes prece precedent over the other statements. First, in location, it's made later. And second, in the statement and the way it is itself is composed. The learned use the same or equivalent words in their opening, udesh, and concluding statements, prati nirdesh. Then he says, and to add to its strength, we can see that Sutta Goswami began by mentioning the position of the supreme controller, the source of all avatars, Bhagavan, and the Purusha being secondary, that source of all the avataric descents. And then he ends the discussion of the avatars in the same way, speaking of these two manifestations of divinity. And he uses that as further evidence or to fortify the statement. In his reading of this verse, then he goes on to, 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 to further enforce his position. He goes to Madhvacharya's interpretation and he cre and he points out how Madhvacharya has explained this verse. And then he explains how Madhvacharya's explanation is not fully comprehensive for the following reasons. First, he points out what that is and Madhvacharya's explanation, and this is the primary Tatvavad Madhvacharya. So he's, he's giving him great honor in quoting his understanding of, the Pari, of this Parivas Sutra. But then he's pointing out that there's one part of his explanation which, which doesn't go deep enough. Because in his explanation, he says there is not an atom, an anu of distinction, between the Swamsa and the Amsi. So he, he's, Madhvacharya basically put forth an understanding where the, all the different avatars are of the same, they're all the same. There's no distinction. There is no hierarchy between them. They all have the same potencies. They all display the same, um, the same position of divinity. And Jiva argues, well, no, one of them's the source. So let's look at that. He argues, first of all, one is the source of the others. So you can't say that there's not a hierarchy. And he uses the, you know, an explanation of inexhaustibility of the rivulets is due to the inexhaustibility of their source. So if we see the certain avataric descents 
of as having inexhaustible potency, it's because their source is inexhaustible. It's not because they are equal. There is a source, and his inexhaustibility flows into the rivulets of all his other manifestations. And then he goes on to point out that we notice in Scripture that the hierarchy is always maintained because we see this Vasudev, Sankarshan, Prajumna, and Aniruddha. And we see that all of the different manifestations, these four primary Chaturvyuha manifestations of the Supreme Lord, they're coming, and Vasudev is always the Amsi, the source of the other manifestations. It's not whether we hear that Vasudev is coming from Aniruddha. So we need to seriously look what Scripture says the same thing repeatedly, and Vasudev is always referred to as the source of the other manifestations, then they're not equal in every regard. And so Jiva makes the point, a hierarchy, Taratamya, exists, certainly exists between the avatari and the avatars. So, in that way, Jiva Goswami, we've gone over a little summary here. In this way, Jiva Goswami has been, he's established the Parivas Sutra. It is a sutra, it has the qualities of a sutra, its position, the way Sutta Goswami presented it, and even other acharyas, when they speak of it, you know, it's it's glorious, but we have to see it properly in light of other scriptural statements. So Jiva's Goswami's explanation gives us a little deeper comprehension of the nature of Bhagavan, Sri Krishna. So we continue now into the 29th Anucheta, the ruling authority of the Parivas. And this will be a, a, a very interesting uh, discussion as Jiva Goswami uh, begins to unpack various statements from the Bhagavatam itself in light of the Parivas Sutra. So I won't get ahead of myself. Let's go through it step by step. In this way, Jiva Goswami writes, it has been concluded that Sri Krishna is Bhagavan, whereas the Purusha, being imminent in all beings, is the Paramatma. A doubt is now raised in this regard. This single statement establishing Krishna as the Amsi is in contradiction with many other statements confirming him as an Amsa. Should it not then be interpreted as guna, Gunanuvad or eulogy? Jiva writes, this is answered as follows. 
by the first redefining by first redefining the question are these statements that krishna is an amsa taken from Srimad bhagavatam or from some other scripture if the former then this third chapter of the first canto called janma guyadhyaya the secret the mystery of bhagavan's appearances is itself the sutra for all the statements describing the avatars because it informs us of them and because all subsequent elaborated dis descriptions of the avatars made later in the bhagavat are i'm sorry are amplifications of this first account alone <clears throat> So he was saying, if you want to look at this as a eulogy, uh, let, let's, let's look at this argument a little more deeply. Now, of course, he's, he himself is the one that is putting forth this argument, this doubt. And he says, from where, what are you basing this doubt upon? Are you basing it? on the Srimad Bhagavatam, or are you basing it on other scriptures? Now, if you're basing it on the Srimad Bhagavatam, the former, uh, then the, the third chapter of the first canto, which we are now unpacking, uh, the secret, uh, the mystery, uh, Guya, Guyatyaya, Janma, the secret of the appearances of the Supreme Lord, within his material manifestation. Um, this, we've already come and put forth, it, it is a sutra of all that leads to the proper understanding of all the other statements in regards to avatars, which are going to come in the Bhagavatam. So all the subsequent, elaborations that are going to come later in the Bhagavat Purana ampli amplify this opening statement. And then he, he goes on. Moreover, among all the verses within this third chapter description, Iti Chamsa Kalapumsa stands out as the Pariva Sutra the universal or governing rule. And he's already established, established that um, up to this point, and specifically in the 28th Anucheta. It is so because it determines the meaning throughout this scripture, the Bhagavat, by making the following formal declaration, Patijna. Among the statements describing the avatars, know the avatars other than Krishna to be portions, amsas, of the Purusha, whereas Krishna is to be known as Swayam Bhagavan. A parivas or authoritative victim 
it is defined as a statement that establishes a rule where there was none before. So Jiva's saying this statement at the beginning of the Bhagavatam is it's not only just a parivas, it's also a pratijna. It's a it's a declaration that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan, and it rules over all the subsequent explanations that are going to come uh, in the Bhagavatam. And then he further elaborates upon the way to see this for our edification. Now, Parivas is stated only once in a book and not repeatedly. As for instance, the Parivas, in case of conflicting rules, apply the one which is subsequent in order. So he's already brought this up earlier that He gave an example of a parivas when it comes to the execution of um, of a sacrifice, and the parivas was if this priest falters, then you perform this action, and if the next priest falters, you perform this action, the giving of charity. And if both of them falter, the, the prior rule takes precedent. This is the way a parivas is applied. So similarly, we need to see this parivas sutra and, and understand how it's to be applied, and he goes on to elaborate. Therefore, even millions of statements are to be governed by this one paribas, and so it cannot be an instance of mere eulogy, gunanuvad. Rather, True erudition lies in interpreting the seemingly opposing statements in, according, in accordance with this parivas. If you really want to understand Srimad Bhagavatam and be able to, to both hear it authoritatively and speak it authoritatively, this interpretation has to be the rule which settles any opposing statements. Nor should the doubt be entertained that this statement is to be understood as a governing rule, parivas, merely in a subsidiary sense, gunatvam, application only within the Srimad Bhagavatam and not universally, not within other scriptures. 
Then he takes us back and reminds us because Srimad Bhagavatam establishes the substance of the highest truth and because it pertains to the essential meaning even of those other scriptures. Its parivas amounts to being the governing rule for those scriptures as well. We can see the, the, the deep methodology employed by Jiva Goswami. In the Tattva Sandarbha, he established Srimad Bhagavatam as the ruling praman of all scripture. Of all scripture, Srimad Bhagavatam is the topmost. And he gave so many reasons. But primarily, it's because it is the mature commentary on all Vedic understanding by the author himself, Srila Vyasadeva, after mature, mature contemplation in samadhi and respoken from the samadhi of Sutta Goswami. What higher Shastra Yukti do we need when it comes to understanding transcendental knowledge? All Vedic understanding. If we can find someone who has actually had the revelation, then they're going to be the most qualified to enlighten us in the meaning of the scripture, which was is meant to take us to the door of such revelation and provide us with an opportunity to ourselves experience all that is spiritual reality. Scripture, scripture is that road, but it, the road is going somewhere. Sambanda, Abhideya, and Prayojan. There is a Prayojan. And all of these, all of the scriptures and all of the sadhus, they're meant to take us to that ultimate destination. So Srimad Bhagavatam Jiva began by establishing it, its supremacy. And now within the Srimad Bhagavatam, he's established this key to understanding. And we're meant to utilize that key uh, not only in our understanding of Srimad Bhagavatam, but also we are to apply that understanding given in this key, the Parivasutra, to all other scriptural revelation, because all other scriptural revelation revolves around the son of the Bhagavat Purana. Jiva Goswami continues. Furthermore, it is observed even in other scriptures that a formal declaratory statement, pratijna vakya, is sufficient to overrule the many other 
disparate statements found therein. This is evident in the case of Shruti statements advocating that a cost space as the cosmic quantum field is without origination, anupati, and other Shruti statements affirming the same of pran, prana, the vibrating and vitalizing, vitalizing principle underlying the cosmos, and others still nanya, asserting various propositions that are apparently in conflict with the Shruti's own conclusions, all of which are overridden by governing statements, such as, by knowing the Atma, all this becomes known, and all this is the Atma. Therefore, even great scholars like Sridhar Swami have cited this very Parivas statement again and again to dismiss other statements that oppose its conclusion. So we must see that the this principle of the Parivas Sutra and how it's to be applied is it's a consistent principle used not only in this context that I'm presenting it, but also in other contexts in relationship with, with Shastra and philosophical and wisdom texts. Jiva Goswami continues to write, in this manner, it has been established in the view of Srimad Bhagavatam itself that this Parivas is supremely powerful. Such being the case, then since Srimad Bhagavatam overrides the authority of all other scriptures, as was already established in the first Sandarbha, and will be again in this one, the learned recognize that other scriptures as well are to be interpreted solely in accordance with this parivas. Their status is comparable to the agents of a king who rule in strict accordance with the laws set by the king. So Jeeva's now presented his arguments uh, both from the viewpoint, because he put forth himself, there may be a question in this regard. So first of all, is the question in this regard, regarding the Paribas, and should it be just simply seen as a eulogy? Should it, are, are we to view this only in light of Srimad Bhagavatam? And if so, well, we've already discussed that, and, and here's the conclusion. But if you want to take the other position, should it be seen as a statement that, that rules over other scriptures? Well, yes, we should see it as a rule that apply, should be applied there also. And now he's made those arguments. So some commentary in regards to this to further unpack it so that we, we pound the post of our understanding. Uh, in, in, in accepting uh, these profound arguments that Jiva Goswami is making. 
And this is just the beginning of the 29th Anucheta. So he's going to go on further, further elaborating and, and, and fortifying uh, this con these conclusions regarding how the Parivas is to be seen in relation to other scriptural statements. He's established why it's a Parivas and how strong it is in the context of Sutta Goswami's explanation at the very beginning of the Bhagavad. Now, how do we use this key? How do we use it, apply it? Um, excuse me a second, I need to. Someone's, someone's on the phone and, and if, if they could mute themselves, please, uh, your scrubbing sound is coming through. And I, so continuing into the, some explanation here. Shujiva Goswami now sets about defending his conclusion, Siddhanta, in the face of many apparently contradictory statements found in the Bhagavad, as well as in other Puranas. There are many statements depicting Krishna as an amsa of the Purusha, while there is only one single phrase, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam, stating unequivocally that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan. One might reasonably question, therefore, why this later statement should not be considered as mere eulogy, arthavad. If such be the case, then the statement need not be taken literally. This is the first purvapaksa, or oppositional view. So, if it's mere eulogy, arthavad, uh, then... We don't need to accept the, the, the statement, Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayam, literally. We can just say, oh, it's just a literary embellishment to, to uh, you know, praise uh, this particular manifestation of avataric descent. It, it has no more significance than simply uh, a nice eulogy to this avatar, Krishna. So this is his Purvapaksa, and now he's addressed it. Now, a little bit in the commentary here goes into the nature of Parivas statements, that generally there are three kinds. Uh, the one, those that are useful in providing the correct interpretation of the, of the sutras. Two, those that help in deciding the priority of applications in the case of conflicting rules, like we saw in the case of uh, the performance of a sacrifice, um, and miscellaneous parivas state, statements that help to determine the forms of words. Out of these, the third category of paribas is specific to grammar alone, while the first two can be used to understand and interpret scripture. 
So he also in the commentary, we find the following in, in regards to the nature of a sutra, because we're talking about a parivast sutra. Brevity is the soul of a sutra, as understood from its definition. And then we get the definition of a sutra from the Vishnu, Vishnu Dhammatara Purana. Those well-versed in the science of sutras affirm that a sutra is composed of a minimum number of syllables, is unambiguous, conveys the essence, has universal application, is devoid of unnecessary world, words, and is faultless in composition. Elsewhere, sutras are defined as follows. The learned say that sutras are concise, convey the intended meaning, employ words with a minimum of syllables, and thoroughly embody the essence. So again, this commentary is, is further fortifying the position of the Parivas Sutra of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Sutras are further divided into six categories, namely technical terms, authoritative dictums, prescriptive rules, restrictive rules, extended applications, and superintending words or aphorisms. Bearing in mind the definition of a paribas as a guiding principle laid down where none existed before, Sri Jiva Goswami identifies 1328 as a Parivas Sutra. In this case, there is no rule prior to this verse by which one could distinguish the Amsa avatars from Swayam Bhagavan. This verse now specifies the distinction. In the given list of avatars, all others are Amsa manifestations of the Purusha but Krishna alone is Swayam Bhagavan. Shujiva Goswami also calls this verse a pratijna, a formal declaratory statement. A pratijna is a hypothesis or an express principle found in canonical, philosophical, and grammatical works. So this completes the first portion or subsection of the 29th Anucheta. Again, an Anucheta itself is a section. So this whole section is dealing with the ruling authority of the Pariva Sutra within of Srimad Bhagavatam and its application. So he's first dealt with an objection. Is it really a parivas? Because there are other statements that conflict it, conflict with it, that seem to, to you know, give a different definition of Krishna within the book itself. So please explain how it really is a parivas. So in this first subsection of the 29th Anucheta, Sri Jiva Goswami 
has has made made an argument. He's put forth the poor vipaksha, the opponent's argument that it's simply uh, a eulogy, Arthur Vaud, um, of of Krishna as a specific avatar, and then he goes then he goes forth to counter that argument and establish the Siddhanta, the Siddhanta being it is a Paravas for all the reasons already given and for these additional reasons. Now, in our next discussion and study of Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sandara, we will enter into this second subsection wherein Jiva Goswami is going to show and demonstrate how apparently conflicting statements from the Bhagavatam itself need to be interpreted utilizing the Parivas Sutra. So it'll be quite an interesting application uh, of the Parivas Sutra as he begins to look at various statements in the Bhagavat Purana and put them in proper context through the lens of the Pariva Sutra. So he'll begin with statements in this 29th, uh, in this section, 29th uh, point two, subsection of the 29th Anucheta. And after he's looked at specific statements and, and, and taught us and schooled us how they need to be properly interpreted when we come to them in our study of the Bhagavat Purana, our discourse there. Um, then he goes on to look at a, an entire <clears throat> portion, a leela within the Bhagavat Purana, which would seem to, to stand in opposition to the Pariva Sutra. And he will unpack that whole episode of Krishna and Arjuna and show how the episode, the Leela itself needs to be seen and in light of the Pariva Sutra. So first with individual statements, how they should be viewed individual. And then he will go on to a specific um, section of the Bhagavatam, which be, appears to be stand in opposition <clears throat> excuse me and how that's to be viewed and interpreted so uh, this whole methodology dealing with the interpretation of scripture scripture's the primary praman for us above scripture is shastra yukta of the of the realized souls first beginning with our guru and then expanding to the community of sadhus who have come to nourish our understanding of, of spiritual revelation. And then in due course of time, that revelation ourself will, will become our spiritual life. And when we are living in that revelation, then all that's to be said within scripture itself will not lose its significance, but its real significance will, will overwhelm us.
and all the statements of the sadhus will overwhelm us as we ourselves enter into spiritual revelation. So I will conclude with that statement. Uh, if there are any questions, I can certainly address those. can unmute yourself. If not, I will sincerely thank you for your kind association. Vanchakalpatubhya's cha, kripa sindhubhyeva cha, patitanam, pabhadebhyo, vaishnavidya namo namaha. Hare Krishna. Krishna Kirtana Vanana Tanapano Premamritambani Viradhirajana Priyavu Priyakaravu Nimatanapujitavu Chaitanya Kripa Bharo Bhubi Bhuba Bharavahantarako Bande Rupa Sanatana Raghujaga Sriji Bogopalako Krishna Kirtana Gana Nathana Padao 